There you are. Yeah, Ronnie. <laughs> For a second, I was afraid that you were kicked out of Instagram, so I was, uh, I was just double checking. But you're fine. No, I I tested it out earlier. I can still go live, thankfully. Good. You know, I didn't know you had that issue anyway. That sometimes it's restricted. Yeah. Instagram knows when it comes to content moderation could definitely be much better, especially when you're facing an organized uh, reporting campaign almost nonstop. You know, and this is actually part of the reason why, and just full disclosure, I reached out to you today because I wanted to throw some ideas out with you and, and flush them out. And I saw that you were, uh, you were attacked relentlessly on, on Twitter, on social media in general, so you're kind to even let me talk to you when things are probably in your mind, you want to wind down a bit and cool down. I thought we could take advantage of the momentum and build on uh, what's happening. So Gino, I'll just do a quick introduction. Everyone knows who you are, but I'll just plug your Bukra podcast because I was on it maybe two months ago or so, three months ago, and I listened to it frequently. And the reason I listened to it is because you ask very peculiar unusual questions for guests that I've spoken to and I like the way you actually navigate topics. Sometimes you throw curveballs which I like. So I'm learning from the way you talk to the people we know. Um, I want to add something. Uh, my private conversations with you and even on our mutual podcast when we host each other, uh, I will say that you are probably among the most engaging and in my mind bright individuals I know and I'll say this because I know you when you're not on Instagram and you're not attacking you have a way on social media that's not maybe for everyone's uh, it's not to everyone's liking that's so I, I, I know you in different ways I know you uh, as a as a writer I, I read your now Lebanon article which came out today actually about the topic I want to discuss um, you've been writing for a long time and you have a way with words that resonates with me I'll say also, I am tired of talking for the sake of talking. We both do this regularly. It's not just us. It's the people you go after on social media, in particular one individual. He does this for a living. He talks for the sake of talking. We all do it in different ways, and I think a lot of what we're trying to do is to unpack and explain and understand maybe what's happening, but I think that's fine for a certain period of time. Uh, I think that duration expired. And uh, for me, the last maybe uh, the last 10 days have been quite important. Um, and I'm sorry for this long introduction, but it'll make sense because we haven't spoken really before this. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we had the elections. We had a lot of things going on. Exactly. And uh, I mean, the last maybe two weeks in particular, actually, you know what, since August 4, since the anniversary, the second year anniversary, it's almost surreal that you're walking in a march and you're walking with people you love and there are hundreds if not thousands of people that you share this pain with on the streets and while you're walking from Samir Asir Square to the port, to the statue, the Mikhtar Bin statue, two of those silos, the sort of the northern section, they fall, they collapse while we're walking. And the background, the background looks like hell. And in that background, you have the loveliest people still trying to get answers, still believing in the process, 
still using slogans like justice and impunity and all of that stuff that we know. And yet, if you stretch it over time, the more we talk and the more we scream, the more we shout, the less progress. And the more we understand the topic, the less, the further away we're from an answer. And then it struck me that people I love, that I've come to love in this country in recent years are now either directly under threat, in hiding, or they're, uh, they're letting go. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke to, I met Hassan Shabin just two nights ago, and he's free to do whatever he wants with his career and his life. I think he earned it, and I think what he did was profound. Without saying much, he just pointed the finger at the problem. He used very careful words, just maybe three photos. And I told him this in person. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. He did exactly what Tarab Bitar did. Without saying much, he showed us... Ronnie, exactly maybe you should remind people uh, who Hassan Shaban is. Uh, yeah, he's the photojournalist who was attacked by Hezbollah and threatened uh, for covering the water shortage in one of the towns in the south. So it's uh, another message by Hezbollah, you know, shut your mouth, don't protest, accept your living situations, don't make us look bad. I, I, I always forget that in my mind, everyone knows everything all the time. You're absolutely right. And do this, do this repeatedly, because I, I go on tangents. It's hard Thank to keep track. Wallah, <laughs> it's so hard to keep track. Because Hassan Shabin, to me, is now a... And on his own way, a hero for doing exactly what you did, uh, what you said, uh, the way you described it. But he's not comfortable, and I felt uh, I felt something that happened to him that is happening to all of us, which is the pressure to shut up. Uh, Dima Sade, I don't know her personally, but I've spoken to her. Um, you feel it in her voice. You know that somebody who's confident and assertive and bold in her way is frightened and she has every right to be and suddenly i realized that the people that i want here in this country carrying this cause you're one of these people as well everyone is taking a step back and i think the narrative is shifting in the wrong direction now that is the backdrop that's the backdrop to why i wanted to talk to you because you're very uh, assertive about how you see the problem you are very blunt and describing Hezbollah's role today in Lebanon. And I wanted to maybe engage your mind and see if any of what I say makes sense to you and maybe we can build on this. So that's my Absolutely. long introduction. I will start. <laughs> that's uh, why I love you. Oh. <laughs> you know what? We're co-hosts in a way. You ha I mean, so <laughs> you take the wheel whenever you want. Um, I, I think, I guess, yeah. I guess the, the last point you said about being assertive, uh, addressing the problem I see directly, for me, it was after August 4. I wasn't there. I had just uh, fled Lebanon maybe a couple of weeks before. So I don't have the first-hand experience that uh, everyone else has. Uh, that's been uh, uh, hard to come to terms with, uh, the feeling of guilt, not being there, blah, 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 all that stuff. But... I had to get past that quickly because everyone else back home was busy trying to search for their loved ones under the rubble and do what the government should have been doing when no one was taking care 
you would see Gibran Basile go on TV, try to uh, push his own narrative that this is a chance for Lebanon, and now they'll talk to us after he was sanctioned, blah, blah, blah. So you had to have someone countering that. For me, to put it as simply as possible, yes, killon yani killon. Absolutely. Everyone who's worked with Hezbollah over the years, his part man killon yani killon. The example I love giving always is like it's a, a house that has very bad plumbing. So, kill the earth mjerir, but at the same time, the house is burning. So, Anna, if I'm in that house, what would I choose to do first? Because the plumbing is a huge issue, and we need to fix it. We can't live in sewage. But the house is burning. Hezbollah is the house burning. Everyone else is al-mjerir al-ard. When you talk about Hezbollah directly, he's going to focus on surviving the cancer before going to the ulcer, or doing it at the same time, but pretending it's all about the ulcer, or it's all about al-mjerir, forgetting the main issue that's actually putting people in danger. Luqman isn't that far away, your dad isn't that far away. This is not ancient history from the 70s, 80s. This is now. So I know and I understand, and even though the Hezbollah orbit uses that, oh, you can't speak from America. Bala, Habibi, I can, because there you'd get killed if you speak that, even though we're speaking that anyway. So I know that my brothers and my sisters there can't be as open. So that's why I go that extra mile and focus on that, because other people can't. Hey, and I don't wake up thinking about Hezbollah in the morning and what to do about it. But the frustration of everyone pretending and no, giving in to the fear, about Hezbollah, let me just uh, do silly things and focus on... Uh, Ignoring the elephant in the room. But I guess that would encapsulate why I'm taking that kind of position, especially after August 4. And it's clear, no matter what the excuses, and now we see them trying to push the narrative of an attack again, of a strike again. It doesn't matter. You put your explosives that you're using in Syria with Assad in the middle of my city. No other excuse can exonerate you from that. So... That's, in a nutshell, how I see what I'm doing right now and the focus on Hezbollah. Again, it's the house that's burning. Sure, we need to fix the sewage too. We can do it at the same time or start with the fire first. But to ignore the fire it makes me go crazy sometimes. I'm like, how is this guy or girl really thinking that this still passes? Hey, after all this time, what more do we need? I remember a time when they used to tell us, Jibran Twaini, how much, like, it's uh, and Ghanim uh, that they killed themselves so people will hate Hezbollah and some people actually bought that but that worked in 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008 today the awareness that people have the answer is so obvious and simple right in front of them but the fear is stopping them from going for I'm giving them that small nudge and uh, using the privilege and safety quote unquote safety now we see this week in New York State the Hezbollah Iranian regime are on a roll this week, so it's uh, reminiscent a bit of, of the Lebanon time, which you didn't expect, you know, uh, moving here in the nutshell. So, you know, the, uh, this is the section that I thought was, it's almost surreal that the story now extends in places that we kind of forgot about, including someone like Salman Rushdie. In my childhood, he had already become, in a way, an expired story. The, the threat against exactly. him. So that's from the 1980s, and it's two pages in a book that most people have not read, and suddenly he's on the news. 
Uh, and okay, so I'm, I'm going to try to navigate this. And I'll start also by saying I agree with you. Uh, I know that you said you don't wake up every morning thinking about Hezbollah, which is a healthy thing to do. You shouldn't think about it all the time. But I will say that distance, I don't think, matters as much as it used to. Because in a way, whether you're physically here or not, the last two years or so, two plus years, uh, you've wedged your way back into the story, at least on social media. So you found a way to still be relevant in the discussion. Again, maybe it's not to everyone's liking the way you do it, but still you do it on your terms. And that, that in itself exactly. is quite important. Uh, and on that, Ronnie, then for yeah. me, I'm not selling anything and I'm not running for office. So I could not care less if some people are bothered. And right. usually the people bothered aren't the people I'm targeting. So Anna, I don't want someone who's always, bend, who's always like bending the knee to Hezbollah to change their mind. And that's always been my uh, thinking for everyone, not just Hezbollah, including the people that are supporting the Sultan. I don't give single... You, I'm not going to curse on Instagram to not get banned again. <laughs> but oh, I yeah. don't care about them. They're a lost cause for me. And I know they're not the majority. And that's clear. The numbers point that everywhere. They elect. So I care about the person who's on the edge, wondering if, oh, I can't change anything. Khalas, this is it forever. This is the person I care about. So I could not care less if 7,000 million accounts of pro-Aunis or pro-Hezbollah uh, favorite this tweet or DM or put comments there. I don't give a fuck about them. They're not my target. My target is the people who are still wondering, still wondering if this is the right thing they should do or not. So I think the freedom of not running for elections and not selling anything and not having a boss over my head gives me a lot of flexibility. Even during the Torah, most of my family was already outside of Lebanon. So I wasn't worried that they'd get to them. I know a lot of my friends were worried about that, were worried about uh, getting fired. Akid, Anna, now, if you Google my name, you'll get the 700 million honest and Hezbollah stuff about it. And it's toxic to, to me personally. But for me, it was worth it. Because look where we are now. And even though Marokbin, it's like we're stalling in the same place. I, I always compare it to before. And I think we're in a much better place than we were, at least for the main problem. So let's, let's, let's build on that. Let's say that, and I'm going to be a bit assertive in return because I... I, I appreciate you're, you're going to see it differently and you'll tell me if you see it differently. Uh, all the voices that we both disagree with on a regular basis. Uh, in your case, it was perhaps mostly pointed at one podcaster, Jad Khosan. But forget him for a moment. Let's say anybody. Jad took the bait, Asad Bukhalil learned already to not take my bait. That was the difference. What's important right. about that, I was surprised, you know, he used, everyone keeps whining, oh, best we said best kaza, but the entire thing Jad did was fat shame me <laughs> and other stuff for someone that's supposed to be this intellectual, blah, blah, blah. That was the bait. And it worked today, the people saying, I don't go, I don't care about the Hezbollah peeps and the angry Arab peeps following him. I don't care about them or their opinions about me. But everyone else who was, uh, cheated in thinking that this is the option you should submit to Hezbollah, that he is the only hope, blah, blah, blah. This is the echo chamber. And this happened in the election. Everyone thought he's going to win and Minfit is going to destroy everything. They did not get more than a few hundred votes in most places. And the one place Jad did well is because Minfit and him and the rest made sure there was no coalition possible. So people had no choice. It was either Ibrahim Kanaan 
or wait or ما بعرف شو or كتائب or جاد غصن so a lot of them they I hate voted I knew that people this soft on Hezbollah approach wasn't gonna work in Mecca and this uh, and even people around me didn't believe that everyone was on the جاد غصن bandwagon but I it even made me consider maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm seeing this wrong but getting stuck in this echo chamber of Twitter made them think they're gonna win. <laughs> At the end, Sharvan Nahas got 200 votes in Ashrafiyya. So I'm very confident in the choices I made then and the people, and reading what the people were really thinking. If we think that it's about the hashtags, Akid, it looks like Hezbollah is winning and Memphis are the biggest party on earth. But in reality, if we just look at the ground of how people are reacting to Hezbollah, and people might think, oh, that's before the Tayyun, when they tried to assassinate uh, uh, Judge Bitar. Several times, you remember the Druze uh, young man who beat up a Hezbollah operative who was shooting missiles from next to his house. When has this ever happened? But let, okay, so you let's see. Let's, yeah, okay. Let, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. I, I just please, but please. There's, there's something I want to um, I want to share with you a conclusion, and see if we can start from there. So. Everything you said, considered. The, the back and forth, the debate, the thing that we've lived in, whether it's in social media or in politics, elections, etc. Um, I think these extra voices that both of us disagree with regularly, maybe in different ways, but I think both of us, there's a foundation that we, that we stand on, and there's a disagreement that we, that we fight for, I think, in, in, a, in different ways, but it's the same cause, I think, which is how to move on from this issue. I think the other voices, the way they're describing the problem, I think is a natural circumstance. It's a collateral damage, I think, to Lebanese that have no control over this issue. So whether it's the more eccentrics in academia, and you mentioned one particular man, but there's, there's many of them uh, that, that try to hypothesize and ideologize and they have all these lexicon sort of uh, almost like poetic words to describe one sub-state group. They're part of it. They have no control. They have no control, period. The podcasters, the TV presenters, even for that matter, those that stand against this issue, those that want to get rid of the problem once and for all, they have no control over it either. So, for example, Hassan Shaben doing his job, and I have an angry cat, I'm sorry about that. If you hear him, he's, uh, he's just begging for attention. Get rid of him. There we go. <laughs> Finally. Sorry. <laughs> Hassan Shaben, um, he can share this post. He can deliver the message head on. But his influence over curtailing that group's leverage is, I think, 0%. Dima Sad can be very bold on Twitter and share something that most of us would not dare to share on Twitter. Yes, I love Dima. We're we're old friends, and I yeah. I love her. But but it doesn't. We're uh, even called. We were even arrested together, investigated uh, with together. Yes, of course, so, so. I remember that. <laughs> I love Dima. But always support her, no matter what. But her her voice included, she has no impact on the way things move. If anything, things are moving in the opposite direction always. Um, let me include myself in this camp. Everything I talk about all the time, everything I read about, every debate I have, every panel discussion, every private, public, whatever, every tweet, 
I don't think I have any leverage over what's happening. And on the other side too, from the more intelligent and perhaps more eloquent voices to the more rugged, violent types, I don't think they have control either. And that's a big problem. So all of us, whether we stand against this issue, whether we support it, or for that matter, whether we're gray on the subject, none of us have any agency. And that, I think, is exactly how the landscape evolved. This is why we are always talking with each other and getting nowhere. This is why on occasion we fight against each other, but also don't get anywhere. We entertain each other, but it doesn't necessarily... It is a lot of fun. And it's fun sometimes. You, I mean, you, you make it fun sometimes. You actually do. I enjoy but, it. But I mean, in 2022, late August, we're further away from ending this nightmare than we were maybe 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, we were already far away from ending this nightmare. You project a decade in advance as we get older. It's going to probably be further away from our... The ability to grasp control. Maybe. Yeah, but See, okay, where, so me, where, where I disagree with you thing. about this is, yeah, sorry, is sorry. you're not comparing it to something else. So Hezbollah right now is better than everyone, for sure, and more stronger, has more money to pay their fighters and dollars, all that stuff. But compare it to Hezbollah of 2019 or even 2006, it's a disaster. So, and you're right, we're not getting anywhere. But where are they getting? Their entire thing is waiting for the Iran deal, which already failed in Vienna. So when they wake up and realize they've been wasting all this time and taking all our money away because they think that the money from Iran will come back, yeah, it's even worse than what we're looking forward to. At least we're organizing, which never happened before. When you look at 10, 15 years ago, now we have parties who have members of parliament. So, yeah, if you take it just the snapshot of it right now, it's definitely not where we want it to be. But I always like to compare it to us before, one, and to them. What are they doing? Do they have any idea what they're doing? He says, you'll always get paid in dollars and uh, we will never go hungry. Three months later, we need to plant on the balcony for jihad al-zira'a because we're going to starve because of America. And the guy who helped make us start, Marwan Khairuddin, they're trying to get as an MP now, which is the head of a bank <laughs> that they're supposed to be against and they blow up sometimes. So for me, hey, I'm always worried that we're not where we should be, but compared to them, the vision that we have, I think is much better. And compared to where we were before, we're also much better. And honestly, Ronnie, even if you don't like this, I think a good thing about October 17 is we killed the remnants of March 14. This idea of the dichotomy of 8 and 14, you see it, whether it's with Jad or any other Mumena group, they always try to reinvigorate the 8 and 14. For me, it's the same. They all sat in bed with Hezbollah, and they're all gone. October 17 is a billion times better. It's built upon what 14 March did and included a lot more people. March 14 didn't include everyone. October 17 does. So this need for this dichotomy, I think, is the problem, and we got over it when you used to talk about Hezbollah. <laughs> now everyone talks about Hezbollah. If you said something about Nasrallah, you'd get beaten up and we forced to go on Manar carrying his photo. I'm sorry, but the best like Sermay, but blah, blah, blah. Who does that now? So I'm not as pessimistic uh, if you step back a bit and look at it. I think Hezbollah, even though it's still the strongest, it's the weakest it's ever been. I'll go down that road with you. Now, I'm going to, this, there's something I really want to drive home, and I'll try to do it in a way that ties all of this together. Um, I, I think 
trying to end what Hezbollah represents today, which is a paramilitary force that can pressure the Lebanese state to a point of either complete collapse or in more recent years, versions of paralysis where the Lebanese state is not really there anymore. We're not entirely a failed state, but we're very close to one. But this kind of limbo where you have a state that cannot independently make any fundamental decisions, I think we're consistently moving further away from that the more we talk about it. And I'm going to go back now a bit in time. The reason I... What Dima Sadeh and Hassan Shaben did, in my mind, was more familiar to the 2004, early 2005 period, where you had journalists taking decisions that were quite confrontational against the state, that in those years was really bent to Syria's concerns back then. So you have actors like Jamil During the occupation. During the occupation. And you have somebody like Samir Asir who's getting arrested, who's getting death threats. You have Gibran Twaini trying to elevate the pitch a bit. You have the Bristol Gathering, which was a blending of intelligentsia and politics. But anyway, you had a pressure against the Syrian regime, which was building up. I don't know. I really don't know if the Syrian regime era ends because of that. I think. I think. Obviously not. Right. I think uh, solid diplomacy that put pressure against the Syrian regime forced the Syrian regime to make a decision that it did not want to make, which is how to exit Lebanon without looking like they're guilty. And it, it was very, very messy, but it happened. And there was enough assertive leverage to at least consider that the Lebanese state could become, again, an independent actor. Now, in that period of time, you have multiple journalists that are killed, including Samir Asir and Gibran Twain. You have other thinkers, and, and some of them are names that we let go of. I mean, you have leftists like George Harry. You have a string of assassinations against politicians and intelligence agents. All, uh, intelligence officials, all of them March 14 affiliated. But I think the pressure then was more assertive than it is now. And today, we have a Lebanese state that is never going to consider opening an international investigation into the port blast. Back then, we had remnants of a struggling Lebanese state being born again, to at least demand one thing, which was almost cursed to death in this country, special tribunal for Lebanon, which after many years points the finger right A, but none of us can actually get those individuals in jail. So the agency is not there. And I think today, the reason I started with August 4, the anniversary, is because we're watching the port silos, what's left of them, fall, they're burning and they're going to collapse. The Lebanese state right now, I think is completely paralyzed to the point that there's, it's wishful thinking to think that there will be any international involvement and in trying to at least point in the right direction that's gone. Now, this is where we come in. Actors here and abroad that I think want this nightmare to end. Some of us don't see it the same way. Maybe some of us prioritize other things first, Maybe that's not the right thing to do, but regardless, I think the majority, and you kind of hinted at this, the majority want an end to the paralysis, the plunder, and the nightmare. Now, 
This is where I struggle because unlike you, I do wake up every morning thinking about this problem. And I'd like to pitch an idea to you. You and I witnessed two deals that were dealt abroad that destroyed chances for an independent country. The first is our recent history. It's an agreement in Doha in 2008, which forever altered our neighborhood that we love the most. Ras Beirut and Hamra today is unrecognizable for many reasons, but it begins then. The streets are bloody because of a deal made at Lebanon's expense thereafter, solidifying it, saying that that's going to be the norm. Violence by Hezbollah does create politics, period. It's the biggest blunder to Lebanon's sovereign ambitions. Two things that are dealt with by Hezbollah, firing a customs security agent at the airport, trying to dismantle telecoms across the country, Hezbollah lays siege. So Doha accepts that as the norm for politics. We grew up, we got older in those years thereafter. But prior to that, we have Ta'if. Ta'if cements... Exactly, I was just going to say, yes, it's the exact same thing, where yeah. we just pretend nothing happens and accept, uh, you know, the threat of violence and pretend that this is normal. Exactly. So, so Doha gives us Iran... We become Iran's privilege after 2008. We're Syria's privilege in the 90s and early 2000s. And then we both don't know what Lebanon was like really pre-Civil War or for most of the Civil War maybe. But I don't even know what it was like during the Civil War. So I was born right after. So right. I guess maybe that made me a bit freer to, to take positions that those that remembered it couldn't because it wasn't always in the back of my mind. So Anna, I don't care about the Civil War if Hezbollah tries to attack and kill a judge. I don't say, okay, let them. I don't want war. I'm like, huh, bro, you're trying to kill the guy investigating what the biggest explosion in history that was non-nuclear. No, sorry. I don't care if it's a dog whistle since the war time. Okay, but, but so you, you're, you're exactly why October 17 is the most successful protest movement in Lebanese history. That's, that's clear. But before our time, there's an agreement in Cairo that makes Lebanon part of the Arab-Israeli conflict, not just part of it, the forefront of the Arab-Israeli conflict. And suddenly the South and in Beirut, there is a militia determining the future of this country. So I think this is my pitch, and I want to see if you see it this way or not. I think the tunnel begins in 1970. And I think we got deeper and deeper into that tunnel as the years progressed. And 2008 is just a continuation of that deep, despairing tunnel. And I think, I think, using diplomacy in a good way, not using diplomacy in a bad way, not a regional settlement that makes Lebanon worse, but rather one that ends the nightmare, one that builds on Lebanese lost independence and lost agency. I think that's the path forward. And for that reason, for me at least, I think Lebanese in Lebanon have very limited influence to determine our future, because that's a big, big push. That's a summit, that's an international agreement to dislodge Lebanon once and for all. Now, 
Does any of that resonate with you? And do you think of that as the way out? Or do you see it more that Lebanese at home have to get their shit together first and <laughs> Instagram? I love that question, Ronnie, because it's nuanced a bit and multifaceted in my mind. Yeah. First, if we just look at it from a scientific uh, method perspective, what, the, what affects the Sulta and charge the most? It wasn't the Hela Hela Ho that made Gibran change what he was doing. It was sanctions by the United States Treasury Department, whether we, or no matter what he says, this is it. So partly the diplomacy and, uh, you know, thinking about what the West can do is definitely effective. But for mm -hmm. me, I'm also worried about that because in my mind, I immediately think the JCPOA, the Iran deal, and how Obama uh, allowed the cocaine smuggling, uh, alleged, so they don't say, of Hezbollah to continue as a goodwill gesture. And that's what helped them make up for the money lost when Iran got sanctioned later on by Trump. So this smuggling business is what keeps them afloat, why they're still paying part of their fighters in dollars. So for me, I cannot count on an administration because it changes every four years or five years or six years, wherever that country is. So building my entire hope upon them doing something, uh, I wouldn't personally, nor, uh, but it has to be a part of it. Another thing that's a problem with this, you saw what Macron did, how much he tried to save them after August 4. So I don't see them as an ally or that I need their help. I don't need their help. And why do I say we don't need their help right now? Because the times you were talking about, whether it was the Arab-Israeli conflict in the 70s or the early 2000s when Syrian occupation of Assad was still ongoing, Lebanon was a priority for everyone. Now it's not. No one cares about what's happening in Lebanon. It's just lip service and INGOs, etc. Mm. That might be taken as something bad. And, oh, no one cares about us, blah, blah, blah. But I think that's something good because every time at the last minute, someone from abroad comes, swoops in and saves them. Whether it's said or whether it's uh, there is one, two, whether it's uh, promises that the IMF is going to bail us out, blah, blah, blah. They always had that. So they'd always get us to the edge of the cliff, and someone would snoop in, Saudi, yalla, this $10 billion, put them in the bank, uh, get yourself started. Doha agreement, blah, blah, blah. Now we're in this weird spot where there's so many other more important issues on the geopolitical diplomatic agenda that we're very down uh, the, the list of priorities. That, mm -hmm. for me, is something good, because if they don't meddle to come save the Sulta, it creates a space for us to be able to decide what happens or try to change something because we knew before we couldn't. If it wasn't Syria doing it, it would be uh, Saudi. If it wasn't Saudi, it would be Iran, the US, Europe, France, uh, Germany, blah, 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 whoever was involved all this time. Now we're not a priority. And I think that's one of the reasons why October 17 was able to spread so much because no one came in to quash it so violently till Hezbollah showed up. So. In terms of the diplomacy, I, I'm completely on board with you. This is how things work at the end. But for me, I wouldn't put all my uh, eggs in that basket. It definitely has to happen in tandem with a lot of things. And the fact that we're not a priority, uh, at least the past few years and right now, especially after COVID, inflation everywhere, blah, 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 no one cares about that that much. So we have a, a space where we can actually do something that might be better. And like you were saying, maybe 10 years when we look at this, I know for sure it's going to be different in 10 years mm -hmm. than now. Mm -hmm. It could be much worse. It could be slightly better. though. And that's where 
I'm trying to fit myself in. And like you said, we're trying to distance ourselves, so blah, blah, blah. I did that after the election. I thought, no, I'm putting too much energy on this, and still uh, I feel that we're very far away from the top 10. I'm like, no, no I'm not. And everything we did to them and the case that they're in today, and the fact that I have the ability to, we have to keep doing this. A lot of people can't do that either because they're scared or they just have family, they need to worry about that stuff. They can't worry about this day-to-day -day stuff. So that's where I hope we can play a small role, which is that change that's happening now, we can steer it a bit into the kind of Lebanon we want, where okay, books so aren't banned, the parties aren't cancelled, uh, we're not threatened every week by a live stream from a guy in hiding for 16 years, you know, all that stuff. I think the only thing keeping them holding on power because we know that the economic social network that they created is pretty bad and you can see it between the difference between civilian Hezbollah and military Hezbollah and you see it between Amal and Hezbollah Amal still get paid in liras Hezbollah are getting paid in dollars so this time even though we think they're you know undefeatable and it's always going to be like that I think the fear is what keeps us thinking that. Because if you think about it, Hezbollah didn't kill and beat us all up. They beat a few and killed a few of us. It's the fear that keeps us in line. But today, you know, can Hezbollah come and kill all six million of us? I don't think so. It's the fear that keeps us in line. You're like, Khalas, I'm not even going to suggest this because I know Hezbollah isn't going to let me. And you see it now, like when they try to form a government, when they thought, Khalas, is a thune it doesn't want, I don't even bother anymore. And and that's like a free <laughs> free work for Hezbollah, where you, know, you just uh, make they make you afraid a bit. They send 20 guys on motorcycles on uh, to yell and beat a few people and burn some stuff. Everyone is like, ah, nothing will change, Khalas. Okay, do whatever you want. And you can see that very clearly in the offshore oil and gas thing. And I look at people who have been extremely against the government. And they're like, Khalas, just make this happen. Negotiate with Israel, let us start extracting the oil. One, you're going to let people like Gibran, Basile, Walid, Jumblat, Hedole extract oil offshore in 2022 when everyone else is moving away from fossil fuels? No one paused and thought, how can I let a Sulta by Hezbollah run such a dangerous kind of exploration of offshore oil and gas when they can't even pick up garbage, when they don't even have electricity? If an oil spill happens, what are we going to do? So but everyone just suspended this and said, Khalas, if Hezbollah wants it and is negotiating with Israel, we should all accept this reality and move on as if it's a done deal. No. Let's assume everything you said is actually true. And yes, they cannot, they cannot run the country in a way that would be uh, full control. And I don't think this group anyway needs to do that or wants to do that. I think their, their comfort zone is not there anymore, but it's being able to circumvent the state and abuse it to the point that it serves its interests long term. That flexibility, I think, has been curtailed, and that's why they're in an uncomfortable place. The Lebanese state doesn't work anymore, and they're blamed for it, too. So this is a, a very, very difficult chapter for them in trying to reassert without over-asserting. I wouldn't envy them if I was in their position. They're in a very tough spot yeah. because the money from Iran dried up. Everyone doesn't like them. And the systems that they kept their, their uh, BIA under control are disintegrating. At the end of the day, most people, the government wasn't providing Hezbollah was. Hezbollah isn't. 
at least not but as I, much anymore. You're right, but I'll, I'll add to that, which is I don't think they need to. So in other words, back in, in the bad days, early 2000s, it was a matter of silencing opposition. It was a matter of pressuring Lebanese to shut up, whether it was the names we mentioned earlier, or for that matter, this is going back in time now, this is unthinkable. The free patriotic movement before it comes back to full force, they're being beaten up, they're being silenced. This is the only crowd that wanted the Syrian regime out and they were paying a price for it, as well as other groups that were some, some were in jail still, some were banned, like the Lebanese forces, and et cetera, et cetera. All these groups, this was a pressure tactic, and it worked for many years so that the Syrians could stay on top. I, on top. Think, I think we're going through that right now. But the reason that I'm putting more onus, let's say, on this diplomatic front rather than the internal capacity is because I know this for a fact. The new crowd, the one that both of us championed in different ways, the ones that we celebrated when they won, they're as incapable, they have as much, they have as little to no leverage as reformers in the past had in trying to get us out of this. And I'll just give you one example. Whether it's somebody very decent, like Najed Saliba, talking about the port fire and pollution, whether it's someone that maybe we have complicated relations with today, but Nasser Yassin, who's the minister, he's the environmental minister, neither one of these two people can actually do much. And if they can, it's, on the, it's at the, really the cosmetics to make them look like they're doing something always. And unfortunately, that includes Twitter, that includes selfies, that includes a lot of posts, not much politics. And I think it's <laughs> not their fault. And it's not their fault. I don't think they, I think they would want to do more and they can't. And I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't compare Najat to, to Nasser because Najat, we voted, we got her into office. Nasser was appointed by the Sultans. I, I, uh, I would give more more credit to that. And I think the difference between them and the uh, quote-unquote against the hegemony of Hezbollah back then is that the others were, were willing to work with Hezbollah and after Doha. If these okay. 13 or 12 MPs do that, mm -hmm. we won't get them back into power and they won't be come back on alone. They can't go to Doha and ask uh, a prince from abroad to install them as prime minister or president like, like they did now. Because they simply wouldn't become MPs again. We wouldn't get them back into office. But let's go with what you said and earlier. And MPs, just think of it. They're, we need a lot of work. This is for everyone listening who wants to support them. They need teams around them. And there's amazing volunteers there. But at the end of the day, today, the, I think they get paid like 300 bucks a month. So if this is the one thing they're doing and they're not working somewhere else, we need to figure out that the team that they need to pay, it needs to be us volunteering or figuring out how we can give them the resources they need because having a bayan every two months isn't the kind of work we need. But having them inside, at least it's eyes and ears behind closed doors that we never knew. Before, we used to count on honest ministers to tell us what happened. For example, like what's his face? Hassan uh, Khaybar when he was still honest. It turns out that most of the time he was lying to make himself look good. Now I know that if I talk to one of these MPs that I personally know, they're not lying to me. So that, at least that is good enough for me now that you can build upon. And if they do the 14 March route of uh, bending the knee to Hezbollah, they won't become MPs anymore because we made them MPs this time. And we so won't next time. 
let, let's say the stuff you said earlier, let's say, let's go with that, saying that Lebanon is not a priority to anyone except Iran. And let's assume also that we kind of agree to it that diplomacy is, at the end of the day, going to be a, a big part of how to dislodge Lebanon from ever having this problem again in its future. Is it the role of an MP from this change block to stand up and say that they will not negotiate with this group? And is it their role to say that they stand for a diplomatic solution? Or do you think of it as sort of beyond their scope? Because I get frustrated. When I see the, M the some of the 13 MPs, they warm up to Hezbollah parliamentarians in, in parliament, and sometimes they're very eager to have this outreach in a way that seems naive, almost like Hezbollah is just a political story. If you just sit down and talk, you'll figure things out. That's talking for the sake of talking. What on did what March 14 did? They kept thinking, you know, they would influence Hezbollah and get them back to Lebanon. Look where that turned out. Gibran Basile right. stopped wearing ties because of that. <laughs> so, but what does, a, what does a change MP do that's different? Meaning, meaning, how do they stand for trying to find an end to Iran in Lebanon in terms of security, Hezbollah, weapons, etc.? And how do they do it in a local way that doesn't expose themselves? Because I sense that if any of these change MPs did what was done before, whether you like March 14 or don't, whether you think the idea expired 17 years ago or didn't, whatever you think about that movement, I think it is the same route Hezbollah would take in making sure October 17 in Parliament doesn't behave the same way. And if it does, it's over. And they've already sent that message. I mean, Lukman Slim is not October 17 in politics per se, but they've already reminded us that civil society is exposed too. So I, I don't know what can be done differently I, to make sure, to make sure that, that there's external and internal sort of lining up. Yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, put that role on parliament because at the end of the day, uh, their job is to legislate uh, stuff that have effect on your day-to-day -day life. Because at mm -hmm. the end of the day, a piece of legislation with enough magnitude to affect Hezbollah, it won't pass. You'll have another May 7, you'll have another assassination. So that is not the why it's important to have a seat on the table there. And for me, I'd rather that they focus on day-to-day -day stuff, like when they talk about how they're going to stop the NHR and their policies about that collapse. For me, that's a lot more important because that's their job. And at the end of the day, in a parliament that's controlled by Anabih Berre and uh, Samir Jaja or Zubran Basil, the real change isn't going to happen that way. I see that change, the meaningful change in day-to-day -day life happening in the municipal elections, which is why after the parliamentary elections, this is everything I'm focusing on. Why? Because we have over 7,000 municipalities in Lebanon. Okay? The municipalities are the local authority, and you've lived here, you know that you don't interact with the federal government, nor even New York State, if you're living in New York City. It's the city. They decide everything in your life. So, But who knows who the city councilmen of their borough is no one but everyone knows who the senator is etc so for me uh, the one way we can actually go beyond just talking and having nice ideas is actually governing and there is some examples of that working and i know some people will be upset but one i actually saw with my own eyes after 2015 the garbage issue the baladiyah and bikfaya and surrounding uh, baladiyah came together and they did a solid waste management recycling program 
today it's generating revenue for them to actually get more trucks and do the recycling correctly. The central government has tried to derail that so many times because they want the money to go to Ramco or Suclean or whatever they install. So that was a meaningful change in people's quality of life that actually helped that community. So if we can do that in a few municipalities, people who didn't win in the smart parliamentary elections, people who don't want to do the politics but want to do the development, this is the perfect example of how you break this cycle. And you see the Momena always saying, we have Hezbollah because there's no state, so we need Hezbollah. How do you make a state? We're not going to win 128 MPs ever. There's people directly benefiting from the Sulta. And whether we like it or not, there's over 350,000 public employees with their uh, spouses and their children. That's at least a quarter of the country that will never leave a Sulta, no matter what, because their livelihood depends on it. But if a town controlled by Hizb or Auni or Uwait, they're paying Ramco, they're still garbage in the streets, they don't have electricity, they didn't organize like uh, creating solar farms paired up with uh, diesel gensets to make up the power that isn't given. We can do this. We can do all of that in a municipality. And what's, gonna, what's the central government under Hezbollah going to do if you do a solar farm and are able to provide 24-7 electricity with, of course, uh, like a diesel genset or something temporarily, are they going to come stop you from getting electricity? I'd love to see them come and try to do that. Uh, which town would let some uh, Baraki or uh, army or intelligence come in and unplug their electricity because it's Zaim So I think the parliamentary elections was great because it showed we exist and we are a sizable enough one. We got the most Aswat of year in the country if you take each party of them alone. So we do exist. And based on that, because you know the problem with the elections, it was so hard to make coalition because everyone thinks they're the best and everyone loves them. And we gave the example about Memphis. But in reality, that didn't become a reality. Now we have the numbers. I know that Rani can get this much in Beirut. So I will figure out how to do a coalition, run with Rani and run the municipality of Beirut. So the, the kind of change away from the Hezbollah uh, that everyone is, is using, at least the ones benefiting from them, is to create another one where it's, it has an actionable change in people's daily lives. And I think the Baladiyat can be a very important start after the municipal elections. We know we have people, we know we can win. The municipal elections are worse because it's Akhtari, it's Mishnispe, uh, it's not proportional. And you remember in 2016 when we were all Beirut Medinati, we got 40% of the vote but zero seats. And that was way back then. So imagine what we could do now if the law was a bit better. I'm not hopeful that the law will change, but we should anyway focus on that. If you get a few baladiyat and you do a union between them, if they're close enough, you can actually govern no matter what Hezbollah or Aon or Basil or any of the Sulta has to say about it. Okay, so that's a question, I think. No, I'm, it's always an important uh, component, and I sometimes I kind of I leave it to the side unintentionally, which is how I think all of us do. That's why hey, I'm talking you, about it a bit because people yeah. don't notice, and it's easier to get to a municipal chief. How can you get mm -hmm. to a wazir with 700 bodyguards and uh, tinted windows? But the guy who's going to be in the baladi, if he's not your relative, he's your neighbor, and you're going to see him when you go to church or the restaurant or the mosque. So he can't, he won't screw you over as much as a minister. Whereas if a minister is Aouni, when he comes, he will only benefit the people around him and screw over everyone else. And Hizb and Uwait, all of them did that every time. Because a wazir's job is to get to the central government and 
try to take as much money from it as they can, like Hamad Hassan and uh, Hezbollah did when after Iran stopped sending the money. Suddenly they want the, the Ministry of Health, and I wrote a huge report about how uh, they mismanaged money to funnel it to them a day after the August 4 blast. August 5, they tripled Hezbollah's hospitals' uh, budgets, and they kept the budgets of Room, AUBMC, and Jaitewe, which were actually damaged by the blast, the same. We were all too busy picking up the shards. Everyone was too busy doing that to notice. So, لا, I think in the yeah. Let me go, let me go to the top, and then we can jump deep into the municipality thing, because it's a way to kind of show how to how to confront a huge problem at a very local level. Let me give you an analogy. Um, Seventeen years of prime ministers that came in and out. Saad Hariri more or less defined two thousand five until two thousand twenty, but there were others. There's Najib Mi'ati, there's Hassan Diab, there's Tamim Slam, there's... The spare, the spare tire of Hezbollah, is what yeah. I call it. Yeah, yeah, Whenever yeah. they're in a, in a jam, Mi'ati, yalla ba'ah! Every time, after Hariri's assassination. Yeah, so, so you, you have, but you have a very chaotic local politics that is being punched repeatedly, violently by Hezbollah, but not just by Hezbollah. These Lebanese groups are expiring in different ways. But Hezbollah is at least making sure that reform is not going to happen anytime soon. In that story, there's one thing that I think is, will be deemed a victory later, which is we were able to take the story of political assassinations, even when they kept happening, even if, even if the numbers increased exponentially. The subject, that, that thing, there was an investigation where the geography of the court and the verdict is issued away from us. We have a special tribunal that does not collapse when Saad Hariri collapses in Lebanon. And actually, even when Hezbollah is making it clear, they will not tolerate the verdict, they will not assist in the verdict, and actually, if anything is done against them, they will react violently. Even when that's happening, the, tri like they usually do. the tribunal is immune. And yes, the verdict is a bit uh, uninspiring, but there's names directed at this group, and now Lebanese can do wishful thinking as much as they want. They can deny reality. They can create standards that are higher than the Hague. It doesn't matter. We know the truth. We know that one group is playing a fundamental role in political violence, period. Now, you go today. I would like that kind of investigation into the port blast, and I know it's not going to happen. I know that now, two years later, it's not going to happen. And the, the silos, half of them are being knocked down soon. It's a government decree. The southern silos will stay up as long as they can. Even, the, even the ones that are sabotage, it's clear. Yeah. Right. So, but this is two years after the blast. It's now, I think, taken for granted there won't be an international investigation. Is there a way to actually put pressure against that tide through what you're describing? Because I don't see it happening. Even at the very local level, which you eloquently just expressed, the desire to start on the ground level and hold people to account at the ground level, I think that doesn't solve that bigger issue. I think it actually just, in a way, it may offer some short-term respite in a very local way. But I think Lebanon as a state is still falling apart. It's still collapsing. So, I mean, 
Can you add to that? Maybe? My, my, my opinion on the port investigation, I know it's not going to be very popular with people listening and friends and everything. I didn't think it would ever work from day one because mm. I like to look at precedent, at how things normally work. When has a court actually ever done a proper investigation into something? Let's assume they did and they got the initial verdict or the indictment. Who is going to implement it? Bassam Maulawi? Or uh, what's his face? Uh, the other guy, Osman? Or the, who's going to implement it? So for me, I know justice doesn't mean that Michel Aoun or Rais Luzara, whoever it will be or whatever, they're going to actually do a verdict and it's nice. What's interesting about Tari Bitar is he is unexpected. We did not think a judge with spine that would stand in front of Hezbollah trying to literally openly saying, I'm going to approach you from, from the ground. It was a kind of surprise. And for me, I'm like, why is this guy doing that? I was always skeptical about it. So for mm -hmm. me, I passed that. I think, like I said initially, that thousands of tons of explosives, we know who it was for. That's the most important thing for me. Everyone who tries to say, that's why you need to keep reminding them. Arba'ab has to be like a huge rock on Hezbollah's and the Sultan's chest. We need to always keep pivoting back to that. It can't be uh, only the Kilonian, Kilono Sabatashino, etc. We used that momentum already. Now we have something that unifies everyone because even people who weren't with the Thawra got died and their homes exploded yeah. out of it. And even if they rebuilt their homes or blah, 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 and they're like, okay, I'm fine with that. At the end of the day, this broke this, this, this trust that you had with them. So for me, uh, rallying, thing to rally around more is August 4 because of everything it represents. Because this Hezbollah's explosives, but everyone else knew they were there and did nothing. So that's not saying that everyone else wasn't involved. But like everything, if you're an accessory to murder, it's not like you're the murderer. The murderer is still the murderer. But being an accessory is still as bad. So for me, I'm sad to say I never expected an actual investigation, an actual verdict, an actual justice happening in the and the stuff we see on TV, like a judge ordering and someone going to jail, that's not going to happen in Lebanon. We know that. Uh, during the Civil War, a lot worse things happened, and no one got in trouble for it. Even after the war, no one. So my bet isn't about you know, uh, betting on Bitar and he will get everything right, but it's reminding people why this explosion happened, why, with everything that was already going on, the collapse, the pandemic, someone put a nuclear bomb three, four meters away from where we live, where we go out, where we study, where we, et cetera. And two days later, Nasrullah was on TV laughing and smirking every time he says something, one of his snide jokes. So for me, that is the justice. People understanding what being so compliant and obedient to Hezbollah, where it leads us, where has it ever led us to something good? But, but, okay, so I'm going to throw an, another comparison. I think the, the way you're describing it, the reminder, without, without uh, a process, without an investigation that is solid, without a verdict, I think, this is a guess, uh, had there been no international push to hold either the Syrian regime to account, or for that matter, Iran to a degree, in terms of at least showing that Hezbollah is involved, 
Um, I think the Hariri assassination two years after would have been exactly like what we're talking about right now, which is Lebanese are kind of aware of who did it to a degree. We accept it. That's Even so back then, remember. That's so. Now people, it's so it's so undeniable now. Back then, a lot of people were like, no, maybe it's not done. Right, but I mean, in terms of being able to move things in a better direction, I think it would have been worse without that kind of tribunal at least giving us the solid proof. This time around, maybe we're more accepting to reality. Maybe most Lebanese today have woken up to realize that Iran does have a very important damaging role in this country. At the same time, I don't think... Uh, we're not getting any closer to ending the nightmare, which is how to get rid of this whole problem once and for all. I'm going to circle back to the beginning of the conversation, because I really want to build on something. People like us, anyone, anyone that's living here or living abroad, with all of what we said combined, how do Lebanese reclaim the state when it's so overwhelmed by an external state? How do we do it? Persuasion, I think, is what both of us live through, meaning we're trying to engage and maybe if we're lucky, get some confused voices to be more confused or undecided voices to decide that maybe, maybe we're right. Um, but that doesn't really steer things in a better direction. We kind of said that already. Do you imagine a scenario where all of what we said right now becomes part of Lebanese politics. So for example, Lebanese that have credibility in politics in this country are calling on diplomatic action to get Iran's security to end in Lebanon. And Lebanese citizens are focusing on local elections, municipal elections, so that they can wither the storm better. And the change MPs are not negotiating with and you mentioned it, not negotiating with Hezbollah because they're adamantly unwilling to repeat mistakes made by the March 14 coalition. Is that something? And they're scared of their voters at the end of the day. And if we're not October 17, voters aren't as docile as March 14, where I can tell them, okay, we are against Syrian hegemony, then five weeks later, running in elections with Nabi Birri and Hassan Nasrallah. So I, I think we don't give people credit enough for actually noticing this stuff. And I think that's why they are not as ready to go into the arms of Nasrallah so easily. But that doesn't mean, you know, just protesting inside. At the end of mm -hmm. the day, Hezbollah has MPs. So you, you need to sit in that same place, given mm -hmm. un under these rules of the parliament. But mm -hmm. doing that uh, out of that institution it was the problem of the rest, I think. And today, if they're in the legionary with Hezbollah, no, I didn't vote for them to go protest inside the parliament. That's not why I want them to be MPs. I want MPs because all the others are extremely stupid and incompetent and just get on WhatsApp what to vote and what to do. These guys, at least, you can have a back and forth with them. If they had an idea that didn't work out, I mean, we see that sometimes. They're still finding their footing in terms of are they a block or not, uh, what are they going to do, blah, blah, blah. But they're getting there because everything takes time. And for your question, which is always the one that the Moana love giving, eh, I think the problem we have, coming from a science background, what you understand about the world and the nature is that it's never a simple thing. It's not a video game. There isn't a very clear set path, 
and if you finish every level, you'll get to the final boss. Life doesn't work like that. Just like, you know, I don't like mosquitoes, but if I remove them from the entire ecosystem, it's all, it'll all collapse because they all need each other for a million different ways. A lot of the things we were talked about today can implement in I can control my actual local authority. Away from Sab'a'iyar, away from Tayyune, away from all the Hezbollah, are they going to go up to a town in Akkar to forcibly force them not to implement reforms? I doubt it. I don't think so. And you see that from who they target with their violence. So it's always Dima Sadi, the other Abaysi. It's always what they think is their be exclusive to them versus mm -hmm. others. Because that reinforces their sectarian thing. Because if people are sectarian in Lebanon, you can reduce all the Shia into Hezbollah, which is not true. And everyone falls into that. They're like, La, ما بدي أحكي عن حزب الله بدي الشيعي جماعة خي مين قال لك إنه الشيعة كلهم مع الحزب ما the first people نزل سبعة عشر تشرين ما كان ال intellectuals وطبعا الحمراء وهيك it was people بمناطق حزب الله نزلت أول شيء whether it's in Sur whether it's in Dahi which they never did before so when we do this إنه oh I don't talk about حزب الله because I don't want to insult الشيعة خي كل الشيعة الوافو ضد حزب الله you literally إنه حتى تناخذوا إنه أنت no no أنا ما بدي احكي مع الناس على الموتويات وكذا، بس كمان بقول انه انا ما بدي اجيب سيره الحزب لان بيزعلوا الشيعه، طب ما اذا انا شيعي وقاعد بالنص وعم فكر شو بدي اعمل؟ ماني مبسوط بحزب الله، شو بعمل هون ان ذيس كيس؟ باكل قتلي وبتهبل انه هيدا ولا اي اي فايند ا واي تو ابير تو ذا مور طب ما يقعدوا عايزين حزب الله هالقد، في ناس بتبليف ان ات بس ذا ريست عم يستفيدوا. وان بي هيدا تو Yeah. It's not being afraid. I know it's mm -hmm. it's weird saying that but mm -hmm. I was saying that it's not like But like we said, being afraid of them or their narratives, you know, what So he's unlikely to do it properly. But the fear that that instilled what account We'll do the work that Hezbollah wants to do for free. If enough people aren't afraid, what do they have other than violence? Rani, give me one plan that they have, comprehensive plan. Say, two million Muslims in the concentration camps in China. They don't have a policy. None of their ministers, Hamad Hassan, look, what is this insane? What joke is this group from? They have nothing else to offer غير هيدا الفير. If you don't do this, Other than that, what do they have? But there's one problem. And this whole, whole disaster, there's one problem. Even before the elections, we know it's not true. All of these slogans of these political parties that have answers, that they're going to find a way to disarm the last militia, they're going to reclaim our independence, all over the highway, sovereignty, 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 from the usual suspects and from some of the new MPs as well. So there's that empty rhetoric which for me is a bad thing because it gives the other team an excuse that these there's no policy towards this group. and they need it they need it think yeah, of it but, 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 against hezbollah in any any district
but they both used the rhetoric against each other for their own base. So today, I'm not as extreme against Hezbollah as Ferris Said or whatever. But when Ferris Said talks, it's for his people who might vote for him, not overall. Right, so it's like uh, extremists, you know, just to, for you, not to actually fix. Yeah, but I want to I wanna ignore all of those voices, know that they stand for nothing today, and I want to build on policy. So let, let me just, and I'll wrap it up with this kind of topic, because I really, I want to figure a way that, engages both both the external needs that Lebanon desperately needs and the internal voices that have not maybe messaged this the right way. How do you get a diplomatic end to Iran in Lebanon? Does it require Lebanese voices in Lebanon to make this their cause? Do you imagine a situation where Lebanese come together and say, this is it, this is what we have in front of us. If we don't get there, it's over. Do, do you imagine... Uh, is it civil society? Is it, is it po politicians from all parties that wake up to this? Is it daring intelligentsia? Is it journalists? Where does it come from in Lebanon? Because it's, it's never going to happen that other countries simply want to do Lebanon a, a, a favor. Favor. Yeah, that's, that's never going to happen. But I don't want deals in cities that do disservice again and again and again. How do you make it so that Lebanese get what they need once and for all? I don't know the answer. All I know is maybe... I, no one does, honestly. Malawal. No one does. And if they do, they're lying. Because mm. this is unprecedented and you can't really extrapolate from it. Mm. But I think it's all the stuff that you mentioned. Whether it's people that had bent the knee to Hezbollah realizing they, they didn't. Whether it's journalists exposing them. So a lot of the stuff we found out about where the explosives came from and how they were smuggled was by investigative journalists. It wasn't by Tariq Bihar. It wasn't by politicians who talk rhetoric. It was uh, journalists pounding the pavement. And some of them aren't even that against Hezbollah, but that's where the evidence post, they, of course, they didn't say Hezbollah directly, but they linked it to the Assad regime and people that uh, they wanted to give Lebanese nationalities the sota to try to avoid sanctions. So all of those need to happen. But the idea that, and I love when the people, hey, as if that's as if any of them one or two let's consider uh, the other toxic thing that they all do whoever said that whoever said it's the people is not true. No one ever did that. All lives matter, but their black lives matter. They're putting a word there that isn't. He only black lives matter. I'm giving a small example. So that's not the thing. Hezbollah Rahidal, Nesbhabur, Hezbollah Rahidal, 
ما فيها تضل عرابتنا واليوم من الاخر السانكشنز اللي عليهم وقد ايه مصاري صرفوا بسوريا وبالعراق وما نجي بقى من ايران وكذا they're not in a place where this is sustainable for them this chokehold that they have كيف بدنا نحن نخلق another way to actually provide هدول basic necessities للناس هون وين بيجي real uh, test طبعاً إذا بدك أو how we need to focus on this policy وكثير بيحبوا جماعة الموينة يقول لك إيه ما في دولة يسوى ما علي حزب الله that isn't that's the wrong approach to this ما في دولة كيف بدأ أعمل دولة مثل ما قلنا it starts from the bottom up قد ما يكون في عنا judges that can do amazing stuff يعني مثلاً LGBT community لأنهم very كثير غامض طبعاً الفرنسوية article 534 it says sexual acts against nature Several judges have precedents. You know, this is not against nature, and fear nature of that, and exonerated them. So, ما غيرنا بالقانون ولا بالنظام. But the people actually pulling the levers did the right thing, and we're lucky in Lebanon. And all the people that came on are incompetent, horrible. In can Syria, in can Finsuri, in can whatever, all these people, the Asmanis, all the ones that we put are very open to interpretation, and that's where we see them abusing it. But we can do the same. And today, as I'm not a judge, and as a fee. Uh, something bad happening وانا وقفت وراه وقدر يعملها طيب الجدج قدر يعملها سو so انا ما اضطر اتغير قانون ونظام والبرلمان والدستور وبلا بلا بلا تو هاف ان اكشوال مينينغفل تشينج ان بيبلز لايفز فات از بوسيبل وقد ما يكون اذا عندنا 1% ناس بالدوله مراكز لها عازه وي كان يوز ذيم سبورت ذيم ان واي فيرسز بس نفكر انه خلص ما عندنا تشانس ابدا ندوت ف تو ريكاب على السريع اتس اورجنايزنج لوكالي وجيفنج مش افكار ولا زونز ولا بريزنتيشنز حلوه ولا ارتكلز كلهم مهمين بس مش بس بدنا نكون كمان على الارض ريل اكزامبل هابينج اند وي سو لبنانيز بيبل كان دو ذات ريلي ويل وات ذي نيد تو ذي كان اورجنايز ذيمسلفز هيك هلا انا هون بس بعرف كل شيء لانه النتورك ذات وي كريتد بلبنان بتحكي بعرف كل شيء عم يصير وين وي هاف ذات ابيليتي ونحن خي شاطرين وهي بس جيتنج اوفر ذات فير وهوبلسنس از ذا هيفي بارت ودائما things get better when things become extremely bad يعني بعد الحرب العالميه بلش تظبط الاساس بعد كذا سو قد ما يكون هلا مش منيح الوضع اتس اولسو وين وي كان ريلي تشينج تخيل انه كنا نفكر الاساس او نعمل الحديث اللي انا وياك عم نعمله هلا وقت كان بعده بشار الاسد وحزب الله محتلين البلد كله <تصفيق> كنا بشي صندوق السياره شي محل 200 سو وين يو زوم اوت ذا تراجيكتوري از جود ايفن ذو رايت ناو اتس باد والحل منو بيقدر نعمل حرب مع حزب الله ذاتس وات حزب الله وانس كل يوم بيطلع نصر الله بصير يعمل هيك بالاصابيع بدي اقتلكم بدي اقتلكم بدي اقتلكم ذاتس نوت هو وي ار بيكوز هي هاز نوثينج ايلس تو اوفر بس بخوف شو في يعمل حدا مقتنع بالحزب انه هلا هو مقاومه وين قاوم اسرائيل اخر 16 سنه انا ولا بداون تاون بيروت يعني ذا يوجوال ستاف ذات يوست تو هايد بيهايند ازنت وركينج اني مور اند ايفن للناس يعني للناس البيئه طبعا مبسوطه There, there's like, uh, I mean, there's no way to summarize uh, many feelings at once when it comes to this topic. But there's two points. Because it's such a complex topic. Yeah, but there's, there's two things that I, I sort of came in and out of the last few days. The first one is that this country has probably the most impressive uh, political aspirations possible. When half of the country is cheering the end of a nightmare, It is quite breathtaking. And it's not just once. It happens over and over. Maybe to different degrees, but it doesn't matter. 2005, 2015, 2019, these are very important milestones 
in protests meeting politics and politics gets worse over time so there's that protests and reality do not always line up actually they don't line up in this country so I had the one side of it the other side is that increasingly uh, what feels like the Syrian years in terms of expression there's a there's a feeling in the air that people are not as maybe free to share all their thoughts all the time and uh, names that we take for granted and for me Hassan Shaben is a pillar when it comes to photojournalism and he's young he's young but he's very good at his job the fact that he's more cautious for reasons that are beyond his control to me is a chilling message that the years that we grew up with have returned to a degree and a more assertive more confrontational maybe a uh, voice like Dima Sadiq, she's maybe not as confrontational or as bold as she would want to be at this moment in time, and she's maybe a bit uh, overwhelmed. Then you extrapolate that. the difference that. between us and Hezbollah, though, because for us, the point isn't to die. The point is to live a nice life. So in Hezbollah, everything yeah. is about, I want to die, Yom Muhammad Ra'ad can amibka al-manara and nobody yistashid. Arifid, the entire thing that they can cell is wanting to kill and be killed and trouble versus that wouldn't mind killing some of their people is either to score a, a political point i don't see that as something bad i think that's something good oppression a lot of people at the end of the day. It was very few uh, loud is what the Knesset that actually bothered. So I wouldn't say that, but as long as we have Ghada'on, Ghassana, and positions of power, uh, small men like Gibran or Hidole will try to abuse the judiciary for that. But today is not like Lukman is, is, is an example and otherwise, but you know, for the average citizen, it's a lot better than a game in Islam. Sorry, ma fik tiktefe bil borivaj, masala. Or we talk about Syria, we tiktefe forever. Hala bichduka Iran, bichduka. But, 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 and and the, what they gave us in return is that they left Beirut and they, they went to they went east. The checkpoints in Beirut ended in 2002. Their presence was less felt, but the red line was always there. And I think the red line is still here. So let me wrap it up by asking you a, a question. Maybe then we can take a few questions because uh, there are a lot of people that sent things. So I'll I'll ask. A, uh, sorry, I'll, I'm not reading Liam It's like right above my face. Uh, comment. <laughs> Nana, I saw like a bunch of questions. But let me ask you one more thing. Beyond what we do for a living, which is the art of persuasion and narration, whatever, trying to maybe correct things, trying to revise, trying to engage, trying to learn, podcasting, writing, free expression. I think talking for the sake of talking is over, and I think problem solving in a real way is needed. And I don't know if there's more than we can do. I think some of us do this in, in unique ways, but I, I don't know if there's more that can be done without reaching that red line. So do, do you see any wiggle space 
so that our voices are more, maybe more, um, more action related rather than just venting all the time. For the part of if people could be doing more, I don't like to go down that road because we can never know people's own struggle and their own lives. So I cannot expect someone to do more than whatever they're willing to do. So I, if you've noticed over the years, a lot of rhetoric, bit like, when Muslim, I never used that rhetoric ever. I'm like, because no one knows what each person is going through, what their struggles, how their choices are. This is how a free society should work. But could we be doing better? Akid. Is it as fast as I would like it to be? Akid, it took us two years to have coalitions and we did that well. Imagine if all the sabotage this attempt imagine if that did happen, how much better we would have been prepared for the elections. And despite that, we exceeded all expectations. So could we do better? We can. They told me something. Slogan. Little Nike, just do it. Okay, but Nike was the Tamil boat. Maybe all just do it. We boat. team, chemical engineers, architects, industrial designers, to actually design this. So they didn't just do it. is just do it. So everyone can get behind it. We believe in it. accounts can it active this is not what the reality is to do that and they are so this ability when it just do it started how we operate failed miserably Look how they did in the elections. Absolutely horrible. People aren't stupid. Killon is our guiding principle, but it's not how we do work. I can convince him to rule the right way. I should do that. So Haida, what I think a lot of people are having trouble with, transitioning from a share will, will uh, lack of nuance completely, black and white about share into the reality. Yom, Bernie Sanders, or Joe Biden, technically. But their ideas could not be more mm. opposite. Not to give here as an example to follow Yane outright but just do it can't be how we live our lives no one wants to do that there's something because you have nothing else to do to figure out to come together on that uh, 
this is how we could do better, I think. As, as I'm in film, and in Al-Kilun, Al-Kilun is our Bible, into thinking it's like our uh, nice slogan that we use, but each pol- each policy decision, each sector, we get people shagluton, shatrin, biafo, to lay it out, and then we see kif ma'one the nishtagal alayah. And that goes into the thing you said, that we're going to do 18 MP. 100%, but if you traditional, it's a razor thin line between So Nawaf Salam was a good example. Even though they named him Abel, to derail that, to help keep in place the Nizam Huwe. But if they did fall in line with the Ba'iyya, كنا طلعنا نواف سلام بدل السبير دوليب تبعه وعملت اكزامبل كان نواف سلام مش مش انه سبورتنج هيم على الاخر ولا ذاتس نوت ايفن وات وي توكينج اباوت بت وي كود هاف ثوت مور تاكتيكلي ان ذيس اند وان ذات ثينج انستيد اوف بس نحط دوليب سبير تبع حزب الله نجيب مئات واذا بنضل نفكر بهيك هيك رح يضلوا هن يعملوا شو ما بدنا ونحن نعمل بيانات ونزعل بس وي هاف ا ريلي جود تشانس تو Make it more into a method, a methodology versus best and a nice slogan. Kilam al happy slogans, kilam al happy one. Another thing, Kamela Ksabt Anna, is that they know we attack each other. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, people will do that about it. But in the run up, in the attacks, supposedly, the group were a lot more intense than those that were supposed to dethrone. Mm-hmm. For that, mm-hmm. when not every battle is an existential one, mm-hmm. is a. Uh, mm-hmm. mortal enemies, no way, blah blah blah. <laughs> this is something I'm guilty of. and a lot of people, In retrospect, but that wasn't the ideal thing. I pick my battles wiser. everything. absolutely forever. أنا مستلمين الكهرباء أكيد أم قناتها كذب بتقلي إنه إيه بس بال 92 مدري كم وزير what does that matter it's not like a scale when نحنا بدنا نتأكد إنه إذا أنا حكيت عن 14 بدي أحكي عن 8 ما في 14 وما في 8 في حزب الله والسلطة يلي تحته the quicker we see that and focus كيف نصير نعرف يوم بوكس لحزب الله في كون فيها X14 أزار يلي ماشيين معه أوقات في كون ضد العونية مرات تاني بس the ability when أنا مكبل حالي وعم مجلد حالي على الفاضي كل الوقت لانه انا ام هولدنج ماي سيلف تو ذيس ايديل وقت الرياليتي ما عم يصير بدي اياه ونحن بالناحيه شو بدنا؟ بدنا تو جيت ريزلتس ما بدنا تو نسجل مواقف بس. What worries me and I'll wrap it up with this and maybe we can take just a few questions. What really worries me is that you mentioned Nawaf Slim and it could be anyone like him but let's say as somebody, an example nothing against yeah. him Akid, but I, no, I no, think no. he's definitely better than Mi'ati Let, let's say let's use him because he he's in the discussions always so Nawaf Slim I fear I fear that should he become Prime Minister if he if he actually became Prime Minister and if he did something that was serious to rebuilding the Lebanese state under these circumstances, 
he'd be either kicked out of the country again, like Saad Hadidi was kicked out several times, sometimes on his own, uh, his own decisions, but other times he actually left the country and would be beaten up abroad. I can't imagine Nawaf's name coming out cleaner than that. And let's say I don't, let's say none of us want Saad Hadidi to ever return. But I think if Nawaf Slim acted... I don't think he does, either. I don't think he does either. But let's say Nawaf Slim, if he did something that was really dramatically different than Najib Miati, he'd be part of our history. And I gave this analogy to Paul Najjar. And I, I, he, I mean, it's, it was maybe an inappropriate time to do it, but I thought it was good to have this flushed out a bit. It was right before the elections. I think if Paul Najjar was president of Lebanon, forget Michel Aoun, Paul Najjar is in Ba'abda the last six years. Had he tried to prevent ammonium nitrate from entering the port in a serious way? Inside, exactly. Removed from Ba'abda, no longer president, or paralyzed in power. And that, to me, I think is the burden that I think, I think, intelligentsia could at least help explain better. Because if we're able to frame the problem as one of security, and one of diplomacy that includes politics and corruption and sectarian reform and all of that stuff, I think we'd be able to deliver at least the problem better. Because I worry over time, the good people that are trying are increasingly afraid. The bad guys have multiple ways to deliver their message. And the gray zone in between should not be dictating politics either. So. I worry that maybe we're losing this battle slowly, and I'd like us to win this battle. I prefer that we're the winners. Yeah, this slowly battle. but surely is, is mine. mine. Well, I think it's and a problem that a lot of the Lebanese public kind of understood. One significant thing happens, you gave Doha as an example. Yeah. So when people's minds are in the middle of the world, they say, after the election, they will go بكرة وطير رئيس الوزراء تبع فرنسا بيمشي الحال بكرة بس يخلص إيران تاكس بيمشي الحال لأن إحنا معودين هيك ونشرات الأخبار كلها هيك والدي تايم تي في شوز اللي بيجيبوا لي سالم زهران وما أدري شو ما بيحكوا غير عن المواضيع so on people's mind this is a reality when it is not <laughs> no one cares about that it's always incremental change شوي شوي أكيد بيجي خضراتوات مثل أكتوبر 17 ما في يقول هذا شيء incremental لأن طريقة الناس والأيديا of how accountability is to them changed forever ما راح ترجع مثل قبل، هلا ما بقى فيك مثل قبل تعمل تربيات هالقد، راح تحس حالك غلط، وحدا راح يقول وينا كذا مذا. So I think people realize that مثل انه فكروا انه اذا بينتروا سنتين ثلاثة مصرياتهم البنك بيرجعوا، ناو كلهم تفهموا انه مصرياتهم طاروا. فايتس تيكينج اس تايم لانه a lot of us just need this glimpse of hope انه it's all gonna end. هلا a good example of that is النفط، ضلوا يقولوا لنا ايه خلص هيدي حلت لنا مشكلة وما بدنا اي ام اف وبلا بلا بلا. حبيبي اول شيء نوت بروفن، حكيت معهم. Glory Haitayan about this. Two, mm-hmm. it will take us so long to do it. Three, ولا بلد متخلف مثل لبنان دولة تبعه استفاد من نفط تبعه ولا دولة استخرجت نفط وهي مش ماشية السيستم تبعها actually استفادت كيرس لأغلبيتهم. Venezuela is a good example. Nigeria is another. في so many places قبل ما نظام يكون ضابط oil hurt them. It didn't help them. It polluted them. Corruption زاد. Brazil is a good example. كمان شفنا شو كانوا يعملوا كار وشيتو هيك. So بدهم هيدا الفالس هوب وبتكبشوا فيه مثل كان هيدا هو الصح بس اي ثينك 17 اكتوبر بعد 8 4 اب و 8 اب they're a lot more pragmatic in that and they know انه اذا اجى نواف اسلام مش انه فجاه رئيس البلد اي ثينك 
هل اكسبتنس مش عند الناس سؤال كيف هاو تو ادريس ات اي ثينك كل واحد بيعمل شاطر فيه يعني از يور جود كيميكال انجينير مثل نجات صليبا فوكس لي على كيف معنا بدي ما موت من كانسر لانه في 50 موتور بالحي عندي وكل السيارات من من الثمانينات وبيمشوا على غاز ما بعرف شو او جيت هير تجي بدي حدا يفسر لي شو بدي اعمل الاي ام اف بجيب حدا بيفهم بالفاينانس تبعه الاساس يفسر لي خي شو لانه نو ان از ان اكسبرت بكل شيء ف اتس اول انكريمنتال تشينج وحتى لو جا نوصل مثل ما قلت نوثينج ويل تشينج واذا كان خطر عليه بيطيروه لايك ذي يوجلي دو سو ات هاز تو بي تشينج شوي شوي وين بتوصل لبوينت وين حزب الله بيوعى بيقول ما بقى في اعمل شيء بس ذات دازنت هابن اوفر نايت اور وذ ون الكشن اند اي ثينك وير اوريدي اون اون ذات باث اند وير دوينج جريت بهذا الباث بس اتس What a tala yom day to day, it's easy to fall into this pain. And I think that's where him and Dawu ala asas yalla ma lafat nazarni. Ma hada mihka an intikhabat al baladiyeh. Ma baref le. I'm really trying hard to focus on that. And I, I'm from Zgarta. I grew up thinking that no, we are a zayim aile, and just hold it. Like nay, and blah blah blah, and so. And campaigning for Michelle Dwayhe and Shamana and all of them. But the whole day, can the الريزيستنت انه انتم هلا بصغرتك بتكون طالعه منيح وكل هو عرفت اولويز ذات ديروجاتوري انه هيك هول اولاد وشو مبسوطين وكذا طلع مش ما طلع زعيم العائله ذات سبوست هلا وقتها صاروا كلهم شو مبروك اهلا اهلا بس ات ديد هابن ان بليس يعني لما انه من صغرتك ما عندكم فكره قد ايه الناس كونسرفتيف يعني حتى ميلز فيميلز بينسمون وقت العزب اتس نوت ليبرال باستين اوف بروجريسيف ايدياز بين هذا الشيء انه غلط ذا يونجر جنريشن من عمرك كان في كثير منهم وذي وير ايبل تو بول اوف سمثينج ذات ليه عم نحكي عنها سبيسيفيكلي لانه اي نو ات انف ماي اون تاون ماي اون ريليتيفز ماي اون هيدا سمثينج هيوج هابن اند ات واز تو ليت فور ذيم تو نورس هن مفكرين انه هو يطلع ماكسيموم بياخذ واحد اكسترا معود او بياخذ واحد اكسترا فنجي اند ذن ات هابن ذي نيد تو فيجر اوت وات تو دو ناو فهلا صار Mentality about change with that. For how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Who would have expected Michel to be here? Even I, deep down, but didn't. Like you said, because of this incremental change, yeah, like in grassroots led, can grassroots led. Tony, I'll allow it comments because of people like her. They obey, yeah, because it happened. Even though I'm not happy to think about it, I'm like when I was 15, 16, do I go to wait or should wait for Ali? We even have a flag for the family, a coat of arms, a zaim, blah blah blah. That Frangi is zaim, Frangi. What's the name? For this to change, it really can a seismic shift. If even in Zgarta, it's not just the intellectual cafes, the Hamra, blah blah blah. It was also the rural parts where we were able to do well. For this idea, and no way, no way, he told me, "I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get the zero name for me." كيف بدي اجيب ثاني نايب نكست تايم؟ انا هيك بدي افكر، انا اف وي دو ذات انف تايم حسب الله بضل هالقد محشور وعم يصرف مصاري بسوريا وبالعراق ومدري شو ايران ما عم تبعت له، قد ايه بده يداين فيرسز قد ايه نحن صرنا نداين. هون بصير الزبقه تبعنا، هاو كان وي لاست وذوت ذا سيفتي نت ذات حسب الله بروفايدز تو اتس اون بيبل. كيف نحن بدنا نعمل هالسيفتي نت؟ These two things that are happening at the same time and I know that 17 stream parties have already gone into the Local stuff behind the scenes. I know they're talking about yes. it all the time. And they should. That's where they should be. Right. So let's say that is happening anyway. That's happening naturally. And I agree with your long-term 
optimistic lens, which is this phase of our history will expire. And it's not a permanent reality. What I worry about, and this is again the way I see it, is that the end of this nightmare later in our lives will be an unrecognizable Lebanon that's nearly impossible to rebuild. And I wish we could create circumstances on the ground earlier that would move things in a better direction quicker. And I still hold on to this need to redress and reverse these horrible agreements made at our expense. And if we're able to do that without time travel, no one can do time travel. None of us can go back to the yes, 1950s. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to actually move as history moves in this natural direction, but at least, at least have that kind of diplomacy correct the mistakes of the past. Because in my lifetime, I've seen too many deals that make Lebanon an ungovernable country, and it's not Lebanon's fault. Sure. And I don't blame Lebanese for this tragedy. I don't Never. blame Lebanese. Okay. So, on that note, let's take a few questions. I, sure. I, I can't go further up because it's, uh, but whoever's still around and wants to ask a few questions, write them down. I saw one a few minutes ago, but it slipped, so feel free. Anyway. Let me scroll a bit. I think we're going to talk about everything else. The hot topic. The hot topic button, at least. Yeah. But like you said, you said about the time machine thing, that what we need for change to happen is there. قبل ما راح نكذب بعض خلينا نكون كلنا شوي اونست البونزي سكيم يلي عملوها البنوكه استفاد منها لوت اوف ليبنيز بيبل لوت اوف اسيدنا نروح على برايفت يونيفرستي نشتري سيارات بلا 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 ايفن ذو ات شودنت هاف بين بوسيبل تكنيكلي هلا وقعت الكيس ولاحظنا ات واز اول لاي دو اي ستيل ثينك انه بركي اذا بنطر بعد سنتين ثلاثه برد لي اياهم هون ومدري شو وبسيل ولا بصير فكر انا كيف بدي تو ميك شور ذس دازنت هابن اجين. اند يو سين ذات اليوم قد ايه انا كان حلمي يكون في سولار بانلز على كل بيت بلبنان. اتس رياليتي اليوم از ات ايديل؟ لا. از ات عم يسلخوا الناس فور ات؟ لا. كان اي بيلد ابون ات ليتر اون وقت انا استلم بلديه يكون اوريدي مثلا 30% من البيوت تبعي عندهم سولار بانلز وانا بجيب انذر 30% وبالاخر بحط مطار الحي مطار هذا الجنريتر بقشطهم اياه كلهم وانا بديره. at a fixed price مش تطلع بروفيت منه انا امنت 24 ساعه كهرباء بلا ما غير قانون بلا ما اشيل غاده هون بلا ما اشيل مشال هون وحسن نصر الله بعضهم خبى بالمجرور it is possible to do change the only thing stopping us from that هي انه نحن خايفين منهم يعملوا لنا شيء اذا عملنا تشينج اذا ما عندنا خايفين خلي دركي يسترجي على ضيعه قدرت تامن كهرباء يوقف الكهرباء i would love to see that like i i i think of that all the time in if you're given country leadership today what would you do to rebuild the country if i would see i'd close all the banks fresh slate this is the first thing i do second thing i do هيدي الفكرة انه في 18 جوديشري uh, لكل سكت بلبنان is the reason we're in this mess. 
وهيدول نحن بنفكر ما هن رجال دين ومع اللي موست اوف ذيم بيقبضوا من اور تاكسز وي فاند ذيم انا بحق لي احكي عنهم انا ما بدي خوري وشيخ يقرر انا حياتي شو بعمل ذيس كان هاف سو ماتش امباكت دايركتلي وما بده شيء غير قانون واحد اتس نوت ا سيستماتيك اديوكيشنال بلا 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 جنريشنال ثينج اليوم اذا انا في روح اتجوز مره مثلني وانا خلقت مسيحي ما بدي اروح على قبرص ما بدي ما اعرف شو بدي اعمل انا اذا مروني ما في يطلق اذا مثلا مش ماشي بقى الحال ذيس كان تشينج سو ماتش لانه الديموغرافيكس اللي هن عاملينها من ايام الحرب بتبلش شوي شوي تختفي مش كل الناس بس تنغرم ببيئتها بس ما عندهم ابيليتي يروحوا لغير هيدا وهون بتشيل اللوت اوف ذا باور الموجوده عند السلطه يلي رجال الدين بارت منا يعني مين مين رجال الدين اللي بتعينوا كلهم بدهم يروحوا لعند يجي الرئيس الوزراء اللي عندهم ويجي رئيس الحكومه بلا 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 If we remove that power from them, that would be the first thing I do, Valjean. Uh, because it's something I care about personally. I'm not going to be the one who's going to judge my life. I'm not going to judge him. Who's going to judge? I'm going to judge. Actually, I know. I'm going to have a defender with me, and a defender against me, and to make my case, and let me judge based on that. So, if I'm still in leadership with them, this is the first thing I would do: shield the personal feelings after I kill them. I'll take one question that was directed to me as well from Tonya Mura. I'd like to know, Ronnie, which moves you think will make the progress quicker? Uh, because I am convincing myself to embrace the organic social waves. Okay, I've not been to that zone yet. The organic social waves. Uh, and I think this is an unfortunate reality in my mind. Uh, I think the long-term paralysis that defined most of Lebanon's history ends when bad deals are made. So for example, the worst years of Lebanese history, which were the 1980s, the civil war, the invasions, the occupation, all of that, the bloodshed, hundreds of, over 100,000 Lebanese lose their lives in that decade. You take it to the 1970s, it's misery for 15 years, it all ends. The moment Ta'if is signed, and an agreement that is so bad for Lebanon, but it ends the paralysis. Anna, my experience with Doha was three struggling years of a Lebanese state trying and failing to push a few things forward that meant institutional reform. That sluggishness, that, that carefulness is defined by violence as well. Doha, changes things forever. And suddenly Hezbollah is a central component to our politics today. That's, my, that's, my, that's the way I see it. So I unfortunately would add that to the aggressive need for diplomacy that throws things in reverse. I don't see, I don't see, I, I think I know what organic social waves means. I, I don't know if uh, things can naturally happen for the better given what we live under. Had it been a Lebanese affair, had Hezbollah been a Lebanese militia, the way the Lebanese forces were a Lebanese militia in the 1980s, they, they would be a bad po political But party. But they stopped calling the shots. This is what we want, Allah. Antonia, organic, it's not organic, but it's not disciplined. Kareem, you said about the banks. I don't think I'm going to banks, but the banks that were guilty in doing this, Like any other business, they need to pay the price for it. أنا اليوم ليش بعض الشيرهولدر والكذا هو عميبد وطأنا مصرية تارو خلاص خي أنت فشلت وكذبت ويودت ويور كرافت روح بيتك أو فوت على الحبس 
خلي حدا يعمل بنك ثاني اللي ما بيروح بيعطيهم كلهم رياض سلامه رياض سلامه يعطيهم اياهم للسلطه يسلفون على اساس بلطامه وينفعوا جماعتهم يحطون كلهم ببنما وهيك سو اتس نوت انه ضد البانكس يعني مثل جماعه كلمينا وهيك يو نيد كريدت بالنهايه تو هاف جروث انا ما معي مصاري افتح شركه بدي اروح قدام من بنك شركه فور اكزامبل يعني اور اني اوف اس هيدي بس لكريم يعني مش مش انه ما بدنا بنوك ابدا بس البنوك ذات وير كومبليسيت ان ذا لارجست بونسي سكيم ايفر يعني اليوم بيرني مايدوف فات على الحبس وقت عمل ما قالوا له اوكي حبيبي كمل فات على الحبس لازم هدول كلهم يفوتوا على الحبس ويتسكروا بنوكتهم لانه if not criminals they are extremely stupid and incompetent وممنوع هن بقى يمسكوا مسؤوليات البلد You know what? I think I'll I'll answer a question that was directed at you, Gino, about hope. Yeah, you do define hope in a way because you're still in, involved in this story from abroad. I disagree with the sentiment that when you leave this country, you're no longer part of the story. I think the reality is you can be part of it if you want to. You've proven to do that on your terms abroad. It is better to have you in this country doing this in person. Uh but for the time being, thank you for so me. Someday, hopefully. Yeah, I want you back someday. Someday, and and thank you for uh, letting me steal your Friday afternoon. I can't. Uh, Robbie, it's always a pleasure. Today on Hicky last minute, but I always enjoy today's conversation. Was very. This is the Friday night you. I prefer than uh, than doing anything else. So thank you again. Technically, it's still three forty-seven p.m. here, so <laughs> I still so have fun. my Friday night. <laughs> I'm gonna do two things. I'm gonna plug your. Anyone that doesn't know your podcast check it out Bukra it's long form you're, you're going to love I'm going to give you a scoop for the next uh, yeah guest next week it's going to be a priest <laughs> is it that's uh, all the, I'm going to say is it the other jaja father jaja no 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 the no. hero it's an actual priest uh, an evangelical priest okay that I found and I think It's going to be an interesting one. It's definitely out of my league and my normal comfort comfort zone and I'm roofing on exposing Altan Khorn doing bad and getting uh, shit for it but come on I'm fine and all all not all of them are like this and I think this young priest is uh, we need more of and we're going to discuss all of those these things Shusar the rise I of religious extremism his his opinion on it what we can do to work together even though we disagree so fundamentally on what the world is what our place in it is kill uh, your losses for hide scoop i think no no that's great you know I, and by the way i really meant it because there is a father jaja i follow on twitter it just happens ah, to be his last name is jaja <laughs> yeah but but it's always good that when secularists talk to sectarian minded lebanese when uh, religiously devoted lebanese talk to civil society and the more secular minded i think that's this is the stuff i live for so i i, I like listening to these conversations anyway so it's good you're doing that and i was it was, it was a good i was a good conversation i was happy oh, i was worried going into it and uh, i am a bit extreme hastanwe when it comes to faith stuff i'm very open about my lack of faith the head of she as a part of uh, how i see myself in this world وكل شيء بس If you remember uh, George Masouh the orthodox priest who yeah. passed away what years ago from cancer so he is one of the men I respect most مثلا كان يقولون وتشنو الرب وهيك used to do stuff يمنعوا فيلم او ممنوع تعمل جيب بريد او بلا 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 كان دايما يعطيني example انه Jesus ابن الله لالون 
literally was humiliated, tortured, and killed, and didn't do anything about it. So, mean fakar halak inta tishitahke an and was Jesus and Shayas, but is it Jesus himself took that and told them, Khfirlon, Khatayon, Nabi Arfua, blah, blah, blah. So, when he said that, I'm like, wow! When when is Shahida? Because regardless of on Jesus, blah, 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 etc., who believes about it, he hit it exactly of what kind of mentality Jesus, the actual historical Jesus, was in. And even according to Jesus, what you're doing is absolutely wrong, and we don't have enough of these priests. So, that's why I want to sit with them. Hey, Gino. There, that's, that's, that's how it ends, right? <laughs> right? Perfect timing. That's, that's perfect timing. I'll, I'll, I'll add something. Hearing you talking about Christianity, I never imagined that. So that's, that's a nice development. It's a good thing. I, I, I'm going to listen to that episode. I'm really interested. Um, I'll also just insist that people read your opinion uh, pieces in Now Lebanon. They're recurring more often. So I, I like reading your, your, it reminds me of your blog, but a little more structured. And I, I love- I wish people read more, still read as much. Yeah. No, I prefer that over stories, but it's okay. No. But enough for the people who, who sometimes don't like, you know, I curse a lot, too. I troll people I don't agree with. You won't find that in the article. If I, if I, so you want the more, yeah, uh, mauzun opinions without the, fun that we inject on social media uh, i'd recommend the uh, articles <laughs> but to be fair also even in your podcast episodes you're hey you're you're fairly uh you're fairly measured so it's nice to have a variety of ways of tackling this conflict that's another thing ronnie the the, the social media's unintended effect has made everyone into a one-dimensional character mm -hmm. So in people's minds, when I meet someone live, I'm like, oh, look at that. If I'm meeting you, I am a normal human with that. Being faced with everything in Lebanon, that's very normal. And those اليوم الهلا هلا هو افكت على جبران كان نيفر بي اندون اذا حطنا كلنا بالحبس وجيب حزب الله يقتلنا رح يضل كل ما تنقطع الكهرباء نول كس امه جبران بصير. And for me that was worth all the flack I got because there's no going back from this for them. And for me it was a political decision. ماني هيك كل وقت ما رح اضل سبسبكم كل وقت و I like to troll people every now and then. You're doing it on your terms, and that's the most important thing. You're an independent mind. You're figuring things out as the story evolves too. You're touching on different medium. I think you're. you're I think you're doing just fine, Gino. So I appreciate you, Ronnie. Thank, thank you. No, thank you for letting me spend my Friday night with you. I'd, I'd rather do this than anything else. And we'll talk more. So yeah, we're the podcast now. Lebanon opinion column. Thank you, Gino. Save this the conversation. It was a nice one. I am, and I'm going to actually, uh, what I'll do is I'll edit it out Post a bit. It'll, I'll turn it Perfect. into a podcast episode. So it'll be on Beautiful. the podcast as well. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, Gino. Ronnie, bye. Bye, bye, -bye. everyone.